This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about the budget announcements and the emissions reduction plan announcements on the show this morning um, and I wanted to bring in a guest who could give us a little bit more insight into some of those decisions and, and in particular how they relate to health. Dr Gurdav Sharma is the Member of Parliament for Hamilton West Electorate and part of, of course, the, the New Zealand Labour Party. He sits on the House Select Committee and is the co-chair of the Cross-Party Parliamentary Champions for Accessibility Legislation deep breath. He's also the Outreach Coordinator for Labour's Health, Wellbeing and Social Services um, Caucus and of course prior to being elected in 2020 I think it was, he was a GP in Norton here um, and has a background in health policy and research. Morena Morena Kelly from the wet and windy Wellington. I hope the weather is better in Hamilton. It is at the moment but it's not going to stay that way but that's okay, because I'm indoors. I don't mind. Hey, um, look, we've, there's been so many announcements lately. <laughs> the mind boggles at some of the numbers. Um, but I wondered if you could give us a bit of an overview on some of the key announcements made by the government yesterday with the Budget 2022. Yes, and look, it's my it's only my second budget, and, uh, you know, uh, there is quite a lot to consume in terms of information that's coming out. And uh, even as MPs, we get given all sorts of different slides and all sorts of ways of interpreting the result and then the, the full books. Uh, but but as I said, you know, sometimes you 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 keep skimming through it three months later, and then you still realise, oh, there's, there's all this stuff that um, you know that nobody talked about. Um, but uh, I was asked yesterday as well, you know, what are some of the um, the bigger sort of um, changes or announcements for this budget? Uh, and being a doctor, I would say, you know, obviously the biggest one is the $11.1 billion that's going into the health system reform, uh, which is coming up on the 1st of July. And then um, related to the same thing is obviously Pharmac, $191 million, which is going for the uh, two-year funding boost, um, which is, um, you know, something that we've been hearing a lot about on the health slick committee from people uh, and patients and their families who want to access uh, new drugs and more drugs. Uh, and then um, there is an increased access to dental treatment for people uh, on lower incomes. So it's gone up to $1,000 per person, again, which is a big step. And uh, I remember we've had quite a few conversations, uh, you know, and I've said um, in an ideal world, we would have a, a dental system uh, where everybody would have uh, free access to it, just like healthcare system. So I think it's at least a, a step forward in that direction. Uh, and then, you know, you mentioned in the introduction about PCAL, which is the Parliamentary Champion for Accessibility Legislation, uh, which I'm the co-chair of. And the idea is that any legislation that comes through Parliament has that access-related focus to it. Uh, and um, we've been working with various organisations in the disability sector. And one of the big uh, milestones in, um, you know, in, in, in the sector is that uh, we're getting a Ministry for Disabled People uh, on the 1st of July again. Oh, okay. uh, and it's going to be... Um, within the Ministry of Social um, Development rather than in the Ministry of Health, because it's not just a health issue, uh, you know, it's more than that. Uh, and and it's, that's, that's getting $943 million, which is just such a big step. And I think that's why it's important, because once you have a, a ministry uh, to represent people, then automatically, uh, you know, there's all these funding as well that becomes available um, to it. So, uh, so that's one of the big changes. Obviously, you know, there is the um, 
the body health uh, authority that's going to come through. Um, that's seeing uh, a significant amount of development. Uh, there's quite a bit of uh, money for Pacific Health Services as well. Um, so yeah, so quite quite a few uh, important changes, especially in health, uh, as we come through uh, with the reform in healthcare system and the um, the disability sector as well. Now I'm going to admit something that I'm sure everyone else knew, but I didn't actually know we were we had a health system reform happening at the moment. I did know about the Maori Health Authority, absolutely needed. So is is that a significant part of it? I mean, what's actually the reform about? Right. Okay. Well, do people know so, about this? You know, thank, well, th- well, thank you for feeding that back because you know I think it's sometimes when you're part of that system, you, you feel like everybody knows about what we've been doing this whole time. Um, so I think it was about last year that um, you know the Labour Party um, started on this uh, um, as the government started on this reform, and over the last year we've been um, uh, going through putting up those structures on how this uh, you know reform would look like logistically. Um, so one of the big changes, obviously, um, uh, you know, which has affected a lot of people, and you know, we've had a lot of feedback over many, many years, is the district health board. So the district health mm-hmm. boards are going away. I knew about that one. So yep. no more DHPs. Yep. And so instead of having the 20 DHPs, now there's going to be four regional authorities, and those four regional authorities would have a network of hospitals, uh, and would be run as one big network. Uh, what that means is, you know, patients will now have um, increased access to services because often what has happened is, uh, you know, if you don't have services available, say in Waikato, you might have to go to Auckland or if you don't have um, services available in Thames or Coromandel, you know, you, you come to, to Waikato. But sometimes if the DHBs are different, that can also be a barrier to, you know, getting that services available. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we talk about that postcode lottery uh, and, and where you live. Uh, makes a huge difference in the access to healthcare that you get. Um, so, so the, the, but I think in terms of patient, you know, what you would say is, you know, that the, the DHPs sort of the spear, uh, the hospitals are part of a different network system now. Similarly, in primary care, obviously now, uh, you know, I've got a big interest in that being a GP. Um, what's happening is instead of having separate um, sort of uh, primary health organizations and general practices under them doing their own thing, um, there is this idea of locality networks, um, and and the idea is that you know uh, there'll be more collaboration between your GP and your physiotherapist and your uh, you know mental health counselor, all those other services which are part of the primary care, but often don't connect together. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing already that you know a lot of the medical practices are becoming like hubs. So when you go to your general practice, it's not just a GP. You're seeing other people as well who provide those uh, you know essential primary care services as part of that. Now, one question obviously a lot of people ask is because there's not going to be any district health boards, there's not going to be any elected members uh, as well. Uh, and, you know, in Waikato, obviously, we've had a commissioner and we haven't had elected members uh, for a few years. Um, so that's why the locality planning is even more important because uh, part of that would be that the locality planning networks, which replace, will replace the PHOs, will have members uh, from the community uh, who are not only service providers themselves, but are also consumers of the service. So again, making sure that that um, community voice is still around in that healthcare system uh, as part of that. Uh, and then, as you said, you know, the, the Māori Health Authority is also a big part of that reform. And what it does is it means that um, this new agency uh, will have commissioning powers uh, and, you know, we'll be able to look after our Māori um, 
you know, patient population. And, and again, you know, when, when I worked in Norton, a large part of my population, uh, patient population was Māori. Uh, and um, there have been, obviously, um, you know, inequities built into the system in the past. So the idea is that, you know, uh, having a separate authority with commissioning powers means um, they can uh, look after our Māori patients better and hopefully those inequities will reduce uh, over time. Uh, yeah, so that's, I guess, uh, a that summary in, of uh, yeah, what's been, that in a what's nutshell. been happening. Thank you so much. Yeah, that yeah, was really help, helpful to sort of understand that. But I'm just wondering, where does the Māori Health Authority sit? It's not a it's not a co uh, governance arrangement for health across Aotearoa. So where do where do they sit? So the structure is basically that um, you know, for example, Health New Zealand will take over for uh, you know all the sort of logistics from Ministry of Health. So Ministry of Health just becomes a smaller department in terms of government. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is um, then uh, you have the Health New Zealand. Uh, which will be the the main authority which takes over the the the, the logistics every day sort of stuff, and then under that um, you would have uh, like a public health agency, obviously which is part of the um, you know I guess understanding now that COVID has shown us how important public health is, um, so we're getting a, a separate public health agency which will be able to look okay. after that, and then under that you know obviously or what to the side of that you've got Maori Health Authority um, along with Health New Zealand, so the Maori Health Authority. Um, will have co-commissioning powers. So that, I think that's the best way to put it. The fact that, you know, they can commission reports and they can look into procurement and other things along with Health New Zealand, um, that's, that's what it is. So, uh, having a, I guess a separate voice in a way within the same system. Uh, makes a huge difference because that's where the, the biggest health inequities lie. Mm, mm, absolutely. And I mean, the times that we've spoken, um, that is something that you've always brought up as well as the um, needing access to uh, to dental care as well. So it is good to see that there. And of course, the Ministry for Disabled Peoples, which is, yeah, a, a, another a great thing that I didn't hear in the budget announcements. You know, so you must see some things and, and not others. So thank you for, for sharing that with us. Um, Actually, that, that is our time. I've just got one last question, and it's actually not health-related. Yeah. Well, actually, it is health-related. In, in your view and what you're hearing and in your insight, where are we currently, and, and this is kind of personal, but where are we currently with um, regard to regulating or um, enforcing mask-wearing in schools? Um, so in terms of mask-wearing, uh, you know, we are, because we're at or- orange level, um, the uh, the current recommendation is that the schools get to decide uh, on um, whether you know they want their pupil and their staff um, to wear masks. Uh, I, I do appreciate that you know that's not always going to be something that people agree with. I know some uh, parents and, and you know families are uh, obviously uh, you know looking at making sure that it is mandated. There are others who you know even when we were in red were saying, well you know we don't need a mask. Uh, and, and I would say, you know, even in the scientific community, you can often get people with a range of views. Uh, and this is something I get asked a lot. Uh, even I remember a few months ago, there was a, a conversation around what um, I think Dr. Ashley Bloomfield had said something, um, but a lot of other experts said something else. And mm. the advice was taken to somebody else. But, you know, in, in that scientific community as well, as, as, as you know, this is a, still a novel pandemic two years on because it changes quite quickly and rapidly. And that advice can be different. So you will see um, scientific experts and other people saying, you know, on one hand, being very conservative in their opinion, and another one being very, uh, you know, liberal with how they interpret things. At the moment, from government, uh, the advice is we're in orange level. The schools get to decide what they think uh, is best uh, for their 
uh, students. But there's always that, you know, if, if you want to, why not be able to wear it? Mm. I'm on a school board and I personally don't think the decision should be left for a board of trustees, but um, <laughs> that's my humble opinion. Um, but and, and, and can I just say, you know, I, I, and I genuinely appreciate that. And, you know, it's not an easy situation to be in because also I remember, you know, when the mandates came through and sometimes the, the private companies had to make some of those decisions again uh, in saying whether their employees should be mandated to vaccinate or, you know, to wear masks and that sort of stuff. Again, it was obviously a... Uh, because it does add pressure to you, and I do, do appreciate it, you know, especially with somebody like you who is a big part of the community. I'm sure you get people uh, from both sides coming and saying to you, you know, should students be wearing a mask or not wearing a mask? And I appreciate that it's not an easy decision. But I think at the same time, you know, people like you who are on school boards are the best judge of your community um, as well. Yeah. Well, we'll see, we see, we'll see how that one goes. But uh, in terms of uh, Budget 22 and some of the announcements targeted for health, thank you so much for giving us such a good overview and particularly in, in being able to uh, clarify for me that there was a reform happening and, and a sense of how that looks. How do we go to find out a little bit more information? I guess particularly if you've been through the health system or you have um, ongoing health issues, this is really important to you. So how do you find out more in an easy to understand way? Yes, and can I quickly just say, you know, and because this is such a big reform and, you know, a lot of things have been happening happening over the last year, um, at one point it was even decided that it wouldn't just be part of the Health Select Committee. Um, so the government ended up forming a whole different, you know, Piora uh, um, Select Committee, uh, which is part of that, obviously having this conversation uh, on board. Uh, but, you know, you can literally just put it on Google and you'll find enough resources on the Ministry of Health website, on Parliament website, uh, on what is happening and why it is happening mm. and what the changes would look like. One thing I just wanted to quickly plug in as well, I know I've talked a lot about health because I'm quite passionate about it, is the cost of living. You know, obviously it is something that is affecting all of us. You know, we've all seen our gas bills uh, go up and, uh, you know, things are getting harder. Um, there is $1 billion worth of support uh, for cost of living, which includes a $350 payment uh, for people who didn't receive the winter energy payment. Uh, and, and up to $70,000 per person. Uh, uh, along with that, there is um, uh, still a little bit of um, further uh, incentive on the on the gas, on, on petrol for another two months. Um, so that just sort of helps. And then road user charges as well for next two months. Uh, oh, sorry, this, this is something, uh, again, <laughs> uh, something I, I know you would really appreciate. 50% reduction. Uh, you know, in public transport fares, which we've already had for another two months, that's been extended. And moving forward permanently, if you've got a community services card, um, you get 50% off discount for good. Like, so it's not just for two months, it's forever. Uh, so if you've got a community service card, 50% off on public transport, which is really great. Uh, and one thing I do want to say is, especially if students are listening, a lot of you guys do um, qualify for a community service card. Mm. So make sure you call one so you can make use of the, the 50% off on public transport forever. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.